Hey, everybody, and welcome to week 15 of 52 Weeks of Empowerment. I am Andrea Pagnosi, your host. I am also a career success and empowerment coach, and I am fiercely dedicated in 2022 to helping everybody get to a career where they're realizing their true potential professionally. And that's not easy. We have a lot of followers. Thank you so much for listening each week. I know there's a lot of you out there that are thinking to yourself, I know I can do better than career I'm in. I absolutely absolutely know I'm deserving of the promotion. I know I'm deserving of greater reviews. There just is no opportunity where I am. So I have sent out the resumes and I am getting calls back and I'm freaking out because I have interviews to go on and I want to know the best way to position myself. I've been asked these questions a million times and yet I don't know if I'm even answering them correctly. And those are all really valid feelings. And as a career success and empowerment coach, I'm often asked, how do I answer the typical interview questions. Is there a best way to do it? Frankly, I not only think there's a best way to answer the questions, but I think there's even a better way for HR directors and recruiters and hiring managers to ask these questions. So today we are going to review the best answers to the top five worst interview questions. And it is not because they're simply bad questions. It's because they're not necessarily asked in the way that you're going to get the answers you're looking as to whether somebody is equitable for your company's culture, as to whether they can really do the job to the best of their ability and not have a tremendous learning curve. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to break down both sides of the coin. For all you HR and hiring managers out there, I'm going to provide some really constructive feedback to improve upon the questions you're trying to ask and get you to think differently about about them so that the outcome, the answers are much more robust and help you get the info you're really looking to uncover. Because it's really about the people, are they a fit for your culture? And is your culture fit for them? And for all of my career seekers out there, people who are looking to get promoted, people who are pivoting careers, we're going to break down the best possible responses. So get your pen and paper ready because this might be the best 30 minutes you spend this week. Here's the first question. And I know you guys have heard it a lot. I know I've asked it a lot. I've literally interviewed thousands of people as an organizational development lead, as trainer, as a prospective manager to new hires. I have gone on many interviews and I've also gone to school to understand organizational development, to really understand the psychology behind asking these questions. And this particular question has driven me nuts for the last 25 years. And it's still being asked today. And there's a method to the madness, and we're going to unpack that a little bit, but I really want to say, please, when you're in an interview, find a better way to ask this question. And the question is, where do you see yourself in one, three, five, seven, ten years? This person who's sitting in front of you, who's terrified, and is sitting there trying to figure out what can I possibly say to this person that helps position me for the job, I'm just looking to get through the interview right now. They want to know what I want to do in a decade, <laughs> especially now, because if we've learned anything from this pandemic, we've got to concede that nothing is sacred. 
anymore in someone's career. Since 2020, in my practice, I've seen people advance incredibly, people that were in line for promotions. I've seen people get laid off without notice, without warning. I've seen people leave on their own, sometimes with employment, sometimes without, which is a little scary. Career trajectories just are no longer predictable. A better way to ask people about their career aspiration may be centered around the mindset that how would getting the job you're interviewing build towards your future career goals? How would getting this job build towards your future career goals? It still shows the same thought process. It identifies developmental opportunities and it sees if you are aligned to those career trajectories to set goals towards them. Now, I want to unpack the question a bit because in and of itself, it's not a dumb question. What a hiring company has done in posting a job has spent an estimated two to three hundred thousand dollars on average to hire and onboard an individual so they've already put that money aside for you or whomever they hire and what they want to know with that question is are you worth the investment is this a one and done is this person going to turn around and turn and burn as they say in the industry and leave us in 24 months or are we going to put this money this time this effort to onboard this person coach and develop them and have them leave to take that knowledge somewhere else or are they marketable somewhere else in our organization and do they even want to do something different now that's okay if you don't want to do anything different but the company itself is investing incredible sums of money over the last couple of years to migrate to a virtual framework to migrate to onboarding people virtually so these are things they didn't have in place before so they've invested in time effort vendor work that has built these training programs to be done in a virtual framework. And that's costly. So I cannot blame the companies for asking these questions. It's an invest. They need to know they're making the right one in you. So if you are the candidate and you're asked this question, the best way to respond to it is by answering the question I actually just recommended and explain how this role will fit nicely with your long-term career intentions through what you will learn from the experience in the new job. It might sound something like this. I think that's a great question. And the best way I know to answer this is I'm really looking to commit to excelling in this role first. And then I wonder what types of career development do you have here? What kinds of career trajectory might I be on if I were to obtain this job? Because I really feel from my perspective, I've done this in my career. You give some sort of background, which is very congruent to this experience. And this job can really build upon a nice long-term career trajectory, I'm interested in doing XYZ long-term. So you're answering the question, but you're also giving them the question that, hey, I don't even know what your career pathing looks like here, or if it exists from a developmental standpoint. You can segue into questions from there that puts them in a similar position where they're going to have to give you an answer. But what their viewpoint is of the next one, three, five, seven, ten years at the company and find out what it looks like to experience a career path at the company of hire. That is how I would recommend it be changed. And that is how I would recommend you answer it. Question number two, any question that asks the interviewee 
to imagine themselves as an inanimate object, the CEO or some other such nonsense is exactly that. It's nonsense. It's right up there with three, five and 10 year foresight on your career. <laughs> it's not a practical question, but there is a reason why they ask it. It's just not going to render the information that they're looking to seek. And I've actually heard in panel interview feedback session where you evaluate the candidate after they've gone through a panel of interviews with multiple people in an organization. Oftentimes people will say they just didn't answer that question well. Well, if more than one person is saying that in the panel, it's not that the person doesn't have an imagination. It's that they didn't expect you to ask it. And in their head, they're going, why are they asking? Psychologically, they're trying to understand what you're trying to unpack with asking this question. And that's totally understandable. What you probably want to know when you're asking a question like this as a hiring entity is you want to know how the candidate solves problems by seeing things through different lenses and seeing things through a bigger picture. Like if you ask them, if you were the CEO, where would you see this role fitting in the organization? Something like that. Instead, I would urge people to consider providing a real world scenario instead of that question. Something that the new hire might encounter while doing the job. Maybe a previous person who held the role had that job, it didn't handle it particularly well, or maybe they did. And you want to see if they're like-minded, that they're solutions-minded, that they're able to strategize and think strategically about creating solutions and overcoming obstacles. And so it does have a practicality about it. Why not ask how they would problem solve of a situation that they would actually experience if they were to get the job. It's one of the best and least asked types of questions by interviewers. It might sound something like, here's the situation, here's your role in it. Consider your audience, your customer, the organization. What would you do to remedy that situation? First, last, and best. Give me your answer. If you were the candidate being asked a question like this, the best response is to align the response to your qualifications and strength. I would be X or I would see it as X because I'm adept at Y and the result would be Z. Problem is when we don't really understand a question and in our heads we're going over why the hell are they asking me this? We're not focused on the response. We don't see the end in mind. So we start to ramble and we start to talk really fast and we start to get really excited. We get very verbose and we pontificate and wax poetic on something that could have been a two-sentence response, probably should have been, and it has now become war and peace. This is what happens when people go for the abstract because they want to see how you creatively process something. Best, best way to ask that question is here's a situation that might happen in this position. How would you handle it? I don't care how the CEO would handle it. I care how you would handle it because I'm thinking of hiring. That takes so much of the pressure off and it also is more in line with what a candidate for hire would expect to be asked in an interview. Question number three, what would your last boss, best friend, biggest rival, current manager say is your biggest weakness, say is your biggest strength? Being in an interview is hard enough without asking this type of question. I'm already worried about what the person on the other side of the table or the Zoom interview is thinking about me. And now I've got to consider what other people's opinion of me is. 
probably not even something I want to be considering. Right now. My focus should really be on what I bring to the table, who I am, and why I'm a good fit for your organization. So why is it even important what other people would think of, especially if you're going to ask me for three references anyway, before you even make me an offer? It's not really relevant. When you consider that a 2018 career builder survey found that 70% of employers acknowledge that when they go into an interview, they already have a preconceived notion about you based on not just your resume and cover letter, but the way you've responded in emails, how quickly, how succinct, how verbose. And they've already checked you out on social media. 70% of employers acknowledge to doing this. They use social media to screen the candidates for the jobs before they've even met them. So they go into the interview with a already cooked up version of who you are and who they're talking to and whether you're a fit for the company. Most companies already know how you're perceived by others during this practice because they see your pictures, they see your stories, they see whatever you share online. And if you think that you are in a situation where you have a closed profile, a privatized profile, Google yourself, my friends, before you go on interviews. Some of the most incriminating photographs and ugly sides of our lives are strewn throughout social media. And remember, it's not just you that could be posting. It could be friends of yours posting an unsavory picture of you. You've got to keep those social profiles clean. You've got to make sure that the narrative it tells is the one you want to come across to not just prospective employers, but to anyone out there. Because what companies want to recognize is if I were to hire this person, are they an upstanding human being? Are they somebody who reflects our ideals, our vision, and our mission, and our ethics more than anything? So opinions about your work ethic, your success, your seriousness, your maturity level is important to prospective employers. So a better question might be something that I refer to as a multi-layered question. And that starts with something like, can you share with me? Could you summarize for me highlights from recent work reviews that you received or direct feedback offered from your most recent manager? Have them share and then say, what areas have you been developing in over the past year? And then the final layer is, in your opinion, have you made progress toward development? The cadence of these questions gives a relevant assessment of what their current boss identifies as an area of development without putting them on the spot, because it gives them an aura of their own perception of self. It also provides a snapshot in how they take feedback. For example, if the candidate doesn't feel like it was an accurate assessment, they may fidget, they may roll their eyes, they may sigh a lot. So body language has a lot to do with whether or not the feedback hit the mark. Some people have a strong poker face and they may be able to get through the feedback given, but you can still observe how seriously they take the feedback when they articulate progress, which is why I layer the question. They may give you a totally canned answer to the first one, summarize the highlights of a recent work review. They said A, B, and C, or they may only focus on the positives as if nobody has an area of opportunity. But it's an interview, so you're trying to put yourself in a good light. But I layer the questions because it takes into consideration how people are from a self-awareness standpoint and from a acceptance of feedback standpoint. 
which is hard to judge in a short interview, but if you layer the questions, you can hear their monotone, they may have little animation, which could also indicate disconnect with the feedback given. Either way, you'll need to take these cues and dig a bit to identify people's gaps. Asking them from the perspective of people they don't work with like their best friend that don't work for your company. And frankly, there it may be a way you're trying to soften the feedback loop and the anxiety of the question being asked, but ultimately it's not going to help you decide whether this person is a catch for your company or not. If you're a candidate, again, first clean up your social media. I tell all college juniors and seniors to do that. I do a course every May called First Career Empowerment, and I'm going to be offering it this year. And what I do is I walk college graduates or pending college graduates through the whole finding a job process, writing a resume, writing a cover letter, best practices, the whole nine yards. We go over the best answers to some of these questions. And I tell them, get your social media in check. Hiring managers are admitting they're going back 24 months to take a look at who you are and what you stand for. And if you're twerking in Barbados, it's probably not a good thing to have on your social media when you're looking for a job. I tell my college students that because it's really important. Prospective employers will do a quick search of you and they're not going to dig even deeper if they see something come up immediately that's in question. That said, don't dawdle on your answer. Just keep it straightforward. Even if you've only ever worked at Walmart as a part-time cashier, you've got career experience. You might've done an internship. Be honest about the experience you have and what differentiates you. Your response should flow something like, I worked as a X, whatever it is. I was expected to do Y and give them some background on how you were evaluated. And feedback on my performance was Z. No excuses, just laid out for them. And then you continue as a result of that feedback, I did XYZ. And not only did I improve in my performance in that job, but it was valuable experience to excel in this role as well. And here's how. So you're bringing it back to the subject at hand. You're not evading it. You're not overshadowing anything with too much rosiness. You're being honest. Here's how I was evaluated. This is what my performance was. Here's what I was working on. Here's what I did to develop. And I think it would really be applicable to the job I'm interviewing for here. Here's why. So you're bringing it back full circle. It's the best way to answer that question. The fourth question are these tell me about a time question. In this case, this is a very eye-opening one that talks to scarcity mindset. And in the wake of the pandemic, the great resignation, and the amount of money the companies are pouring into businesses right now, especially with the inflation rate going up, there's a lot going on financially in organizations that make them operate with the scarcity mindset. So they want to see if you're adopting it as well, or if you've ever experienced it. So these tell me about a time questions sometimes lead to this one in particular. Tell me about a time when you had no resources or support and were able to make it out of a jam. This is sometimes the mark of an ill-informed interviewer who hasn't read my resume and doesn't know that my career has always been in a scarcity mindset operationally anyway. As I mentioned at the top of the podcast, there are often times that interviewers are asked to be part of a panel for a second set of eyes or a 15th set of eyes to look at prospective candidates and they're handed a list of questions and they're like, this one looks good. So it tells me not only did this interviewer not 
do due diligence to look into my background and see how I may have operated with the scarcity mindset. It's not asking a specific question about resources. Are you speaking to money or are you speaking to there's nobody else on the team and I'm, a, I'm an N of one? Are you talking about there are no other resources in the company to lean on? So I have to create my own. It doesn't mean you don't have money. It just means you don't have actual resources. So my best advice to a candidate is to clarify what they mean by resources so that you can provide an example. And when you do this, I'm going to teach a powerful way of responding. And this is one of the biggest ways that I train new college graduates to interview because it's the best way to answer any question you're asked on an interview. And that is to respond using either what's referred to as a CAR response or a STAR response. And those are acronyms. A CAR response is the context, the action, and the result. And the STAR is situation, task, action, result. So they follow the same cadence, but it's really when they ask you a question, you respond by saying, here's the context of the situation I had that refers to the question you're asking. Here's the specific action I took. And this is the part that people struggle with most. They talk peripherally about an experience they had. And you know how that translates to an interviewer? This person's never had that experience. They've never operated with a scarcity mentality. And you're probably not the best candidate for. Even if you haven't had a completely identical experience, by answering in this manner, by talking about an action that was specifically taken, regardless of whether you did it individually, you can say you were part of a team and that team collectively took this action. And here was the result. And give quantifiable results. That is a far better way to answer the question than most people do. They talk around the periphery of operating with a scarcity mindset. And it doesn't zero in on the answer they're looking. So again, be careful. Don't tell too much. You hail yourself as the conquering hero. People are not going to believe that either. Even if it's true, they're going to expect that type of output every day. So don't set yourself up for failure. Provide capable, strategic, can-do attitude experiences. But don't be metaphysical, warp speed fast, and miracle worker type stuff. Answer the question appropriately with a car or a star example. Our fifth question is one that if they're getting to this question in the beginning of an interview series, it's probably likely that they're trying to eliminate people that are looking beyond their price point or beyond the range that they can comfortably pay this person. And it's a daunting question to hear at any point in interview series. But if they're asking towards the very end, it's usually in a final interview and it's usually one of the last questions that are asked usually by human resources when they're looking to get references. And that question is, what is your price point? What salary are you looking for? It's a very loaded question, but it, everybody asks it. If you say too much, you feel like you're gonna disqualify yourself. But is that a bad thing? I wanna pause there for a second. If you say too much, and that's really a reasonable amount, and they say, well, then I'm sorry, that's, well above what we're asking. Isn't that a good thing to know up front? Now, if they're asking it late in the game and you're not on the same page, that's a bummer because you've aligned a lot of time and probably see yourself in this job. But do you really want to work for less 
even for this job. If you say too little, they're going to jump up and you're going to sell yourself out for a lesser sticker price. So my best advice to anyone is the number one most important homework that you do, and you can do it on sites like Glassdoor, but I look at Glassdoor as kind of the Zillow of the hiring world. Again, not very accurate, especially with today's competitive marketplace. They are willing to negotiate salaries a little bit more than I've seen them do in the past 15 years because it's so competitive. So I would not take that with anything more than a grain of salt. What I would recommend people to do is if you're a hiring manager, ask it upfront. So you eliminate lost time and effort, wasted time and effort on both sides. Ask for a range rather than a finite salary point. Ranges usually hit a better ballpark. A broader range may still be outside, but you see whether they're on the higher end of your range the lower end of your range, the mid portion, or way outside the line. If you're asked that question, offer a range and do your homework. As I mentioned, call other people on LinkedIn that you may be linked to who may work for that organization, which is always good to do anyway, because sometimes people get bonuses for recommending you. And that also gets your resume pushed to the front of the line by an internal employee and taken a little bit more seriously than even an external recruiter. Recruiters usually have the range of salary, but I would submit to you they often do not get the full salary range. It's not a situation you want to get into primarily with the recruiter, except to say, do you have any knowledge of the salary range? Ask the HR people early on so it eliminates any waste of time, as I said. So those are the five questions that I find are the most difficult to answer certainly the ones that are most common and could be asked a little bit different. Throughout the year, we'll go into greater detail with other questions that I think are coming up more prevalent. Questions that I've been hearing that are really unique that people really don't know how to answer. So we'll revisit this out a few times throughout the year, at least once a quarter, to try to get you guys up to speed as quickly as possible. Appreciate all of our listeners. Hope that it's brought you some levity and certainly some good answers. And for those of you that work within organizations who are going through expansions and hiring, please reconsider the way that you ask questions and think of the outcome. What are you trying to find out from the prospective employee and how you can better answer it to get that question so it doesn't come out like war and peace or defensive, but it actually gives you the information you're looking for. We will catch up with you next week, same time, same place, more power.